So I'd like to introduce our speakers for today. Uh, we have Steve Way, who is an actor and comedian on Hulu's award-winning comedy, Rami, and also the male version of me, apparently. Um, we've got Michael Schwartz, the director and writer who was at the helm of the incredible and groundbreaking Peanut Butter Falcon. And Bonnie Gillespie, the casting director extraordinaire and author of Self-Management for Actors. Thank you guys so much for being here. Happy to be here. Yay. Um, all right, great. Uh, so um, I thought that we just kind of dive in, if that's okay, unless you guys have anything you want to say right off the bat. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's get this out of the way. Every uh, Even in this past year, we've seen some missteps in casting. Um, what do you guys think is the biggest problem around casting people with disabilities right now? Um, Bonnie, since you're in casting, uh, why don't you go first? I, I think the biggest problem right now is a lack of education about how to get it right. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we're seeing this happen in so many ways, just in society right now, but uh, also, of course, in show business, that the fear of the misstep will stop any innovation at all. And the reason I use the word innovation is because I believe for a lot of filmmakers, the idea of even expanding the mind to consider what a world on set would look like differently set up for what success has always been on a set is part of the work that has to be done. So I, I really believe with all of this, we have people who are at the front of of change and that start steering us in the right direction, the early adopters to any uh, any innovation. And I, I keep using that word because it, it really does fall in that category for a lot of people. It's just an expansion of considering what the world of a typical set might look like and the not knowing what needs to be put in place in order for things to be safe for everyone, in order for things to be accessible for everyone is just part of what stops some people from moving forward. And obviously, budget is also one of those uh, constraints that I think a lot of uh, filmmakers and content creators may have. I mean, those are valid fears, I think, but hopefully over this panel, we'll try to alleviate some of those. Um, education is a huge one. I think that that's uh, something that a lot of these panels are trying to, to help alleviate as well. So great. Thank you so much. Um, Steve, what do you think? I I think it's this weird, like this weird perpetual cycle within Hollywood, where it started with casting directors not casting disabled actors and non-disabled writers writing disabled roles. So then you see these, um, you know, these characters. Uh, that are just not accurate to our stories. Um, you see movies and TV shows that uh, portray our stories just wrong. So then people see that and they think, oh, that's what disabled people are like. So that just keeps on happening where more and more of these bad stories like me before you, the upside, come as you are, 
come out, and that just reinforces uh, these preconceived notions of how people view people with disabilities. And that cycle is starting to break. But as we see with this movie coming through coming out, you know, it's still not uh, completely broken, but it's it's just this ongoing cycle of not having people with disabilities involved, making bad stories, reinforcing these negative ideas, wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, for sure. And I think you touched on something that um, is is always talked about is hiring actors who aren't disabled playing disabled roles. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but that I think that is is one of the biggest things that that at least you and I as actors with disabilities see on a very consistent basis. Um, and Michael, what uh, what do you what do you think? Um. I think for our movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon, we wrote it um, for our lead actor, um, Zach Gottsagan, who we'd, we'd known for a handful of years. And we knew that he was a great actor and that he wanted to have more substantial roles and they weren't being written for him. So he asked us to write him a movie. Um, and we worked with him for a year to kind of build the story. It's, it's a fully fictionalized character. He didn't want to play himself, but it, the three dimensions of what his life is like he wanted to portray through a story. Um, so we worked with him for about a year to write a script and then you know, we're prepared to make it for no money, you know, $5,000 in pizza and <laughs> we couldn't raise $5,000. You know, it was very difficult. And we what started- there was pizza? There was pizza, there was pizza, but that didn't get a movie made. That still, <laughs> still wasn't enough. Um, but we, you know, did all the things that I think all filmmakers do of trying to send the script around and, and you know, we made a, a little trailer for the movie to see if we could get some interest. And that's really what changed it for us. We'd, we'd had the script for two years and no one would read it. Just no one would read it, period. And then when we had the video footage of Zach being a great actor and the world, I think it was very easy for people to get past the preconceived notions that Bonnie and Steve are talking about and just see like, oh, I, I am already invested in this character and the way Zach is portraying it and I only have five minutes of footage, I want, to, I want more. And then, um, you know, the people that were actually paying for things tried to get us, they're like, actually it's the script, maybe the script is good and you should get somebody that doesn't have Down syndrome. And, and they're like, we'll give you a couple million dollars if you get, you know, like um, insert, a-list Hollywood name here. And we we're just like, no, that's that's not how we're gonna do it. That's we'd read rather not make it or or make it for no money with Zach than make it with the wrong people. And then luckily, you know, we kept kept in it long enough that we did find the right producers and people that got it and people that thought, you know, we could we could do it with Zach and he was the the best person, not only just a person that could do it, but the best person to do it. And uh, they let us make the movie. But I think then that's, that's kind of the point, right, too, is that we have to really, we have to work 10 times harder to prove that we are capable of doing this. And that's the part that I think that is so frustrating is that 
you know, there are plenty of actors with disabilities who are more than capable of taking on these roles and building three-dimensional characters and really, you know, changing the face of what Hollywood looks like, but we're not given the opportunity because of people who are scared or people with the money who go, uh, I don't know, I'd much rather watch a movie with um, Chris Evans, which I also would, but that's not the point. The point is that I think that we just need to, we need to have more people like like you, Michael and, and Bonnie, who are able to kind of broaden that world and, and kind of alleviate some of those fears. May I, may I say something real quick? Of yeah. course. When, when my role uh, and like my, my dialogue was uh, presented to Hulu, the first thing Hulu asked was, uh, who's going to play Steve? So I, I had to audition for my own role. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. I think that one of the things that's cool about, you know, what we're doing Steve, myself, Bonnie, is that people are seeing that it works and having examples of, oh, you actually can do this and we don't need to cast Sean Penn, you know, in in this disabled role. And, you know, it's a business and like, oh, it's actually making money. I think there's this, Hollywood is built on a lot of like copy the thing that worked before. <laughs> and the thing that's exciting is the thing that worked before was always, you know, get Daniel Day-Lewis or Sean Penn or Tom Hanks or whoever. And just real recently, like this year, last year, it's, oh, the thing that worked before was casting authentically. Yeah. Well, I, 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 that's so great. But it's, it's really unfortunate that it had to take people within the industry to kind of advocate for people like me. You know, like, it, it, but yes, we obviously got these roles, you know, on our own talents and merits. But would we have been recognized if it wasn't for other people? You know, like if, if Rami was not my best friend of 20 years, you know, when, when I have got the role on his show. But I, it's very, it's very comforting now to see that the trend um, is finally starting to go in the right direction. But isn't that kind of how most change happens? It comes from within. So, I mean, I think that that's a good thing. I, I, I think that people like um, Octavia yes. Spencer, who's starting to speak up, people at the top, who are really saying, no, you know what? This this does need to change. This does need to be more inclusive. Oh, no, yeah, of course. But I just, I guess what I'm getting at is that it, it, it feels so reminiscent of so many other facets of disabled life where if, if we said one thing, it, it wouldn't really matter. But if an able-bodied person said the same thing, like then it would register with them. I'm I'm gonna speak on that just to say that cronyism is always a factor. Nepotism is always a factor. Yeah. Being in the inside and making the change is always the factor. And so the 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 fact that that there are able-bodied actors who similarly cannot get inside because they don't have the friend who is producing the project. 
Um, it is that is a, a universal truth of Hollywood, and part of why getting more people inside and with eyeballs on them to be able to make change and say now we're going to do things my way it just making change from the outside always feels more like raging against the machine and i'm not saying don't do that i'm just saying that when we can get inside we can make change far greater reaching and far faster but it takes being inside and being able to prove money is make is being made here money is being made here because that's the bottom line financial perspective of the people with the power to actually make the projects and being able to say, look, money's being made here. And now even, even if you don't agree that this is possible, I'm going to only say yes when we bring people along that make a, a picture of life that's more realistic. Um, but, I, but I think that that's true with any change that happens in any, any system, honestly, yeah, but especially sure. Hollywood. So Bonnie, are you starting to see this change come through in characters that are on, I mean, I don't see any of the lists. I'm not uh, famous enough. Um, but uh, do you like in when casting roles, are you starting to see that change happen or is it still more of the same? I'm very fortunate in that I can be incredibly picky with the projects that I cast. I started casting in 2003 and I'm at a stage now where I, I pick and choose the filmmakers and the content creators that I want to work with. And I do that based on how willing are they to hear me when I say, have you considered? And that, that's all I need is give me the opportunity to look at a script and say, I see the words that you've used here to describe this character. Have you considered? And then whatever comes after that is for for me has always been the more inclusive way at looking at that character and that goes from race to age to gender to ableness it is all about the the opportunity to expand what the the picture of that role needs to be in the, the mind of the, the writer and the creator of the content. So for me, I am seeing a lot of opportunities because I am always asking what the opportunities are. As far as what other people are casting and what people are putting out there, I'm also not privy to other people's casting notices uh, that much. I am, however, privy to agents pitching talent to me. And I can say, especially in this, this odd 2020 that we're in and bringing production back slowly, we are finding so many more opportunities to be curious about what is possible on a set because there is so much that is being done right now in a totally new way. So the door is open for agents to pitch clients that they previously might not have pitched unless the breakdown specifically said, submit actors using wheelchairs or submit actors who, who speak ASL, uh, like it would be something like, like th there would, there would be that, that qualifier before people would even consider, should I submit this client? And I love that we're now seeing, Hey, I want you to consider actors that look like this or that have this experience or that have, have this skill set that you may not have even thought of when you put out the breakdown. So, so that I'm really enjoying seeing from the agent side of things. That's great. Um, so uh, it's still not enough. 
I'll, I'll say that it's still like it's gone from half a percent to maybe one and a half percent of what I'm seeing, which is nowhere near enough. But that is growth. And I'm going to celebrate growth. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a weird time. I think that like, you know, we're all kind of figuring this part out as we go. Um, but growth is growth, right? That's a good thing. Um, so uh, I know we talked uh, a little bit about um, both Steve and Michael's stories, um, but Steve, I, you know, there are some positive things coming out of the industry. I mean, we've seen some roles this past couple years that have been very exciting. Obviously, Peanut Butter Falcon and um, your role on Rami have been awesome. Um, uh, have you seen anything that you're really excited about um, on TV or in film um, that really does show what where we want to eventually be. Yeah, I I don't remember the name of it, and I don't remember the name of the actress. So please forgive me for that. There's a, uh, a kids show on Netflix with uh, a a girl with muscle dystrophy, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, but I believe she's Asian American. Um, I think that's the future. Having more uh, marginalized roles, having more uh, marginalized talent, um, younger talent. Uh, as you know, we've always seen kids actors um, in anything, but how many of them have been disabled? Um, I. I also um uh, using uh Lolo Spencer as an example. Um we definitely need more black disabled voices. Mm -hmm. uh, especially this, you know, current political climate. Um I think it's just really diversifying disabled roles. Um, because you know, I'm I'm a straight white guy. You know, and yes, like right now I'm developing my show, but that's very specific to me. Right. right, and that, and like with Robbie's show, with Robbie, he always explains that is super specific to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, a millennial Muslim American from New Jersey. You know, me, a millennial white disabled male from the suburbs of New Jersey very specific so you're not going to get the whole story of what it's like to be disabled in this world or in america so you know if if shows like my show and that netflix show and uh the movie that will spencer did can open the doors for more marginalized disabled roles um, I think that's really the next goal here. Yeah. Uh, Michael, have you seen anything after since your film that you've been excited about for the future? Yeah. Um, I'm hearing about a lot of projects that are getting developed um, for people with disabilities. Um, you know, I have I have some friends with cerebral palsy. I have some friends with Down syndrome that, that we all hung out together and met at the same place where we met Zach. Zach has a development deal to create a, an episodic show um, that's based around him as well. 
And yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm seeing positive stuff, but I also have very little knowledge of what it was like before other than from the viewer's side. It's like when we wrote the peanut butter Falcon, I was living in my car. Like I didn't know anybody famous. I, there was nothing. I was never, no one would ever send me a script. No one would ever read a script. So like Tyler, Zach and I, like we came in, we were the super outsiders. And now I think is the first, this is like sort of the first year I'm actually seeing what's coming out before it comes out. And it looks like more than I saw in the past when I was just a viewer. Well, that's great. I mean, I think that's how most people are seeing it, right? We're not all, not everybody is in this industry and, and the viewer is probably the most important person to know kind of what's out there. And if they're not seeing anything, then, then change can't be made because they don't know it should be. Um, yeah. uh, that's exciting. Um, so what kind of, um, what kind of roles, uh, this is a two part question. What kind of roles do we need to retire? Um, and what, what ones would we like to see? I know Steve, you touched on more diversified kind of a, a more diversified platform, but, um, you know, there are, there are certain tropes that we need to really start to say, uh, please stop. Um, and people don't know that that it's a bad thing. Um, so I'd like to point some of those out, but I'd also like to give some helpful ideas to creators who um, are thinking about adding a disabled character into their into their projects and and what kind of things that as as people with disabilities, what we like to see. You know what what um yeah, what would we like to see? So uh, Steve, why don't you start? And then um, it'll be interesting to hear again from like an able body point of view kind of what you guys um, would like to see um, or are curious about from our, from our little weird community? Um, uh, obviously, right off the bat, got to get rid of um, the guy that wants to lose his virginity <laughs> um, and the guy that just uh, wants to kill himself. Yeah, please. Uh, the guy that just wants to walk. Uh, but I think uh, two that aren't really mentioned up are uh, what the evil disabled person and what the magical disabled person. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I use magical in two ways. One, they're there as a, the inspiration. Mm -hmm. You know, they're there to like, have a character get through something. Uh, they're not a character, really, they're just like a plot device. Um, and the other one is like literal magic. Um, the example I like to give is uh, the one-armed man in Twin Peaks, where he has this kind of like metaphysical like aura around him. Um, actually, Twin Peaks has another example with uh, with the evil disabled person with uh, the arm in the Black Lodge. I know there's a very specific reference for people. Yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about, but I'm going to take your word for it. Yep. <laughs> but don't you think that, like, some magic is is a good thing? Like, I, I mean, I think that, like, we finally have a superhero that's been um, authentically cast with Lauren Ridloff in uh, the new Marvel movie. I think that stuff is super exciting. Sure, I sure. really want to be a superhero. That's I really know. why I bring it up. No, but that that's the character. Yeah, but she, I mean, that character isn't 
disabled in the comics. Right, right, okay, I'm sorry. I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, they're, you know, this person is disabled and, like, their only role is this magic part. I see what you're saying. And I think Bonnie would agree with me here. I, I, I can speak to it a little bit. Um, just, you know, we were pretty aware of the magical disabled person and, you know, were very careful to avoid it while still having a movie that felt good. Mm -hmm. um, and those are very, very, very close, but not the same. Um, and, and Spike Lee describes it in race as a character, you know, like Steve was saying, that is there for the advancement of the main character's story and has um, little attention put on their own goal or their mm -hmm. own um, achievement of that goal and agency within it. It's almost like a, uh, like a disabled Bechdel test. That is exactly yeah. what I was just, just gonna jump in on that because I, I there's an Ava DuVernay test now as well for how black actors need to be cast in roles that do not have magical powers and they're not there to be fetishized. And I, I think that we just need the version of that test among every group that has ever been uh, yeah. cast in tropes. I, I think that's it. I'm doing it. There you go, patent it. Trademark. Claim it. Claim it. it, it's yours. Yes. Yeah, no, that's great. I think those are, it's so interesting because that's one that like, I know, you know, the the killing themselves and always wanting to walk is like the two that everyone talks about. But like those, those other ones are equally as detrimental to the community as like those, those other two. Um, so great. Thank you so much for explaining that so clearly, um, everybody. Um, so what are some characters we'd like to see? What would be a character in a film or a television show that besides just like, you know, I think that we all agree that we should just be put as regular people, right? Like just like a lawyer or uh, whatever. But, um, you know, coming from a disability point of view, like what kind of characters would we like to see? Anybody can start. Um, I'll, I'll say like just the, the conversations I've had on, on panels like this, again, I'm not disabled, so I don't have the most important point of view on it, but from the people that I believe do, they're saying what you're saying, Shannon, they don't even really want the character to be about the disability. It's like, oh, this, this role, like you're saying for the, the superhero or this role that's a lawyer, this role that's a architect, just cast them disabled and don't even really change the writing. Just like, anyway. I agree with that. I, I can follow that and I think that it's, it's not so much what roles do we wanna see, it's more of them, period. Mm -hmm. that it, it's a quantity thing at this point. Yeah. I, I wanna see, I don't know if it's more roles. I want to see stories of like just the real stuff that we go through. Yeah. You know, I I want us the story of like a disabled teacher who has to not only like pay out of pocket for her own teaching supplies, like how other teachers do, 
but while also working within the constraints of social security. I want to see a story of like someone who is, uh, I don't know, is doing something, but is fighting for better health care. Yeah. I know. I just want to see more like real stories and not just trying to go to a strip club. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do that too, but like, who cares? Yeah. Well, and that's like, that's part of it too, right? Is that no one really knows half the stuff that we deal with on a regular basis. Like if I tell someone that I can't make enough, I can't make a certain amount of money because then I can't get out of bed in the morning. People are like, what are you talking about? Like that's the stuff that does need to be shown because then people really do understand kind of our story and, and everyone deals with money and, and finances in different ways. But if you don't view it from a different perspective's lens, you don't know that it's even happening. And that's, I, I think that's what entertainment and, and, and art can really bring forward. Right. Like, I want to say, like, I, I tell people that someone from the government comes to my house every four months to make sure I'm still disabled. Yep. And they think I'm doing a bit. Nope. Um, but like, I want to see a story of like this guy trying to uh, like go on a date in New York City and you know, he goes to take the subway and he gets stuck on the subway elevator. Like that's hilarious. But yeah. it's real. Yep. I mean, this, these stories are can be very funny and very entertaining. You just need to see them. I think that that's really what it boils down to. Um, yeah, great. Uh, so um, let's see, do we have any questions from anyone? Um, lots of people absolutely love Peanut Butter Falcon, um, which I agree, it's very wonderful. <laughs> um, hey, I also did. Please. For Michael, what was it like to have someone like Zach, who was obviously not established at all, mm -hmm. and then working with someone like Shia LaBeouf? It was awesome. Um, I think our team was really cool and, and recognized how good Zach was at his job. You know, I think Shia, you know, likes to point out that Zach has had more training than he has. Um, I, you know, he, he was like, it was very clear when everybody showed up, this is Zach's movie. Zach's number one on the call sheet. Like we, like he's in charge. Like he was the vibe setter on the set and he's such a positive person. I think that's just in his essence that I think a lot of people enjoyed being around him, but he also gets pissed off and he gets frustrated. And it was really important to him that we showed that to, again, sort of address the, the magical disabled person that, that Steve is talking about. Um, you know, he's like, it would tell us the stories about going to a performing arts high school and having the teachers ignore him 
and not answer his questions and try and kick him out of the class until like the CIL had to get involved and make sure that he could stay in the class. And he was like, you know, can we work this into the story somehow? Like, I want to get that out. So that's the part of like his character at the beginning of the movie. He's, it's all parallel to the stories he wanted to tell, just put in a more, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn shell, but all the emotions like, yeah, he's funny as shit. He's present. Uh, this is the thing like, uh, uh, Shia wouldn't be upset for me telling this, but he's like, he's really motivated by perfectionism and fear. And he's afraid, you know, he came up to me on day one. He's like, I'm afraid like Zach's blowing me out of the water here and that I'm, that I'm gonna look like I'm lying next to him because he's so good and he's so in his character. And we we're just like, cool, use that, you know, like get to his level, get to his level, like everybody get to that level because that's what we're doing. Um, I think, and, and I think uh, it's it's hard to talk about. I, I had some, you know, when, when you're trying to control a set or set a level of expectations, I think there was, some people that came to set thinking we were doing like a charity basketball game instead of a real basketball game. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like we're making a real, we're making a real movie. And if you're not here to do that, like hit the bricks. Like this is, this is a real movie. We're not just like, this is, this isn't like pretend. Um, and I think people got that pretty early on and it was really helpful to have you know, Shia and Dakota were taking it very seriously. Our producers were taking it very seriously. Tyler and I were taking it very seriously. And Zach was taking it very seriously. Um, a story that, that I think is appropriate for this panel, there's a, a scene where Zach has to jump off this 30-foot platform into the water. And, uh, you know, our producer, it was hot. Our producers, Tyler and I, Shia, we're all jumping off. It's just like it's fun. We're getting ready before the scene and making sure it's safe. And the stunt coordinator, you know, Zach's climbing up the ladder. He's getting ready to jump off. The stunt coordinator says, oh, no, no. I don't think, you know, I don't know if Zach's going to be able to, to do this. And we were just like, what? And they're like, hey, you know, I'm, it's my job to make sure the insurance stays for this film and there's a risk and the real risk is I, I've, I don't know Zach. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to not bite his tongue when he lands and all of these like fears that were unfounded. Um, and we broke for lunch and then Tyler and I snuck from the tent hundred yards back, went up and it was like, all right, Zach, jump off. You know, like you got this. And I was a lifeguard growing up. So I was like, if something goes down, I'll be there to like make it work. And Zach jumped off, and then the whole crew was coming back. They see him in the water. Everybody's cheering, and we're like, cool. Can Zach do it now? Just proved he can do it. And the stunt coordinator looked to the producer, and the producer was like, yeah, that's what we're doing here. We don't treat him any different. And there was just – there's some some battles along the way. You know, I'm not going to pretend like it was perfect, but but I'm really happy with with how it turned out. Oh my gosh, that was the best story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's the that's the level we want to get to is that you just go for it. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think jumping off a jumping off a ledge is basically a metaphor for what we should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like go for it and see what happens because people are capable of doing it as long mm -hmm. as you give them a chance. 
Um, so please put your questions in the comment section uh, if you have any. If not, it's okay, but please, uh, please ask us questions. Um, what, uh, I guess we can kind of just start to wrap it up if nobody has any questions. Do, do Bonnie has a question. Great. Yay. I, I, what I would like to say is I would love for us to encourage people to be messy and to ask the hard questions and not be afraid to get it wrong. Like in, in saying yes to being on this panel, I went, Ooh, do I have the right language? Do I know, do I know the right way I'm supposed to say certain things? And I went, girl, you're going to have to be ready to get it wrong cause you're gonna. And I, I think so many people stop themselves from doing the new thing, doing the right thing because the safe thing make sure that they don't look foolish. And so I would just love to encourage people to be messy, get it wrong, but have the hard conversations, ask the hard yeah, questions. Absolutely. I think we have to. And that's the only way we learn. You know, I, I mean, none of us are perfect. That's what makes us human. And and we don't, you know, if I've learned anything from these past few months is that I've got a lot to learn about and um, we're all kind of in it together trying to, get the same goal of equality. So let's, let's, yeah, let's get messy. Um, all right, great question. Um, can you, uh, here, I think, I think I can put this up on the, nope, I don't know how to do that. All right. Um, can you talk a little bit about making sure um, physical procedures prioritize accommodations on set and build them into, into film budgets? So I guess is, I, Elizabeth, I apologize if I'm not, uh, if I'm just kind of clarifying your question a little bit. Um, are you saying, how do we kind of prioritize, like making sure things are accessible on set? Um, I mean, I, into a budget. I mean, I think that's just, I don't know. Michael, you could probably speak a little bit more about that. I don't know how to make a film um, budget, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there are, there are certain things that might cost, might, the, the the cost of doing things might be different um, if you put Tom Hanks into a role versus somebody else. And I think that's, um, for us, it was length of shoot, you know, days, shooting days are expensive. And, you know, we probably needed five extra days to shoot the movie because um, you know, Zach works a little bit slower, but we're like, it's worth it. But it was a conversation of, okay, we need to, to have a smaller crew, you know, you need to prioritize, I think with budgets always. So it's, oh, we actually don't need three guys working lighting. We need five more days. So let's go mm -hmm. one guy's working lighting and five more days because it's more important to us to have the authentic casting. And I imagine if there's other roles, you know, like I spend a lot of time with people that have cerebral palsy, like if you need to have ramps or, or wheelchair lifts or different things on the trucks, I'm sure that costs money too. And it's just prioritizing that and getting rid of, you know, the Rolling Stones song in the soundtrack or whatever, you know, it's like, just figure it out. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, if I could Please. add to that, I think the simplest answer to that question is that you just do it. <laughs> you just figure it out and you do it. If Will Smith, I get a trailer that's an entire city block long. If some actors 
take like an hour and a half to come out of their trailers after the recall to set. And that gets accommodated, but they're afraid to accommodate like an extra break during the day or a couple extra days of filming. There, there's no excuse. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just about making sure your priorities are in check, right? Like if if being an inclusive set is is a priority to you, which it should be, uh, then you make sure it yeah, it happens. Um great. Uh so um what organizations and casting websites are there out there that we can find disabled actors for casting? Are there any specific ones that you know of? Bonnie, can you talk to about that? Yeah, I, I'm gonna defer to the actors here for where you go to to for projects because that of course is going to say loads more than what I'm aware of. Uh, however, I know when I am specifically casting disabled actors, my first call is to the unions and to reach out to who, who do you know, who are the leaders, where can I get some access that is from within the organization where we are already hopefully doing more things to create more representation on, on sets. Uh, I also, of course, do the usual actors access. Uh, I do um, within my own Facebook group for self-management for actors, because we have a large community there that I know I can reach out within there. But honestly, for me in the level of projects that I work on, a lot of times it's the agents and managers. I'm calling my favorite agents and managers who I know um, rep people who are able to take on all the roles that work for the kinds of projects that I that I am on. Uh, much more than like, is there a specific site that I go to uh, for any one kind of role? It's, it's where I'm doing all the roles. It's just a couple of extra calls that I'll make. Sure, that makes sense. Um, Steve, do you have any uh, places that you? I mean, do you have any places you look for roles? Everything that Bonnie said. Yeah. Yeah, Actors Access has like a section that you can actually choose to look up people with disabilities. And if you self-identify as a person with a disability in your profile, you can put that you are. And then a list of, if I'm incorrect, please correct me, uh, a list of actors will come up who um, identify in that way. That's right. I don't, I don't need also. It's one of the filters we have on the casting side that we can do a search for uh, all sorts of different settings. So as long as you've checked all the right boxes in your profile, uh, you'll come up on that search. Yes. You can also search like disabled or like wheelchair disability. Yeah. And then like casting calls with those search words would, uh, would all come up. Yeah. I mean, just to find, find actors. Um, yeah. I, though, I mean, actors access is probably your best bet, but there, but like Bonnie said, there are a lot of agents and managers who do rep people with disabilities and they're, they're great people to talk to as well. And they also know each other, right? So they could kind of point you in the right direction. And, and also just based on the way um, this this question is posted with a word spelled that I would spell with a Z is spelled with an S, I'm guessing we might be in Canada or England oh. or Australia. So I want to mention that Actors Access certainly is what we use most here in Los Angeles, but there are, you know, casting workbook in Canada, there's Spotlight 
in the UK. Uh, and there is, I want to say, AT2, like as in the letters A, T, and then the number two for uh, for Australia. But don't quote me on that last one because it's been a while since I've done a search in Sydney specifically, but different sites there. Oh, wow. How did you pick up on that? That's I'm just a really bad speller. It looked fine to me. Um, <laughs> and I'm uh, making an assumption, but I just want to, I, I, I'm, I'm very aware that it is not the only place on the planet, even though we often treat it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Americans think anything else exists. Um, uh, yeah, the great question though. Um, all right, great. Uh, if we don't have any more questions, I'd like to just kind of do some final remarks. Um, do you guys have any advice that you'd like to give people who, um, who are looking to to cast people with disabilities? Uh, just do it. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, I concur with Steve on that. It's yeah, do, do it and don't stress about getting it right. It's that whole perfection is the enemy of the of the good. Like you just do the good by by being messy and being willing to make mistakes and being willing to learn what you don't know and being able to check your ego about how wrong you may have gotten it before. Um, because I think that that's what we bump up against a lot of times. It's like, oh my God, I put out, a, here's a perfect example. I put out a tweet to amplify a fellow casting director's project. And I said, um, seeking wheelchair bound actors because I knew I wasn't supposed to say handicapped actors. This is a decade ago. And she said, no one's wheelchair bound that you can't say that. And I went, oh my God, even in trying to get it right, I got it wrong, I suck. And it's like, yes, everybody sucks. We are going to learn where we don't know the language because we're just not having that as our lived experience often enough. And again, that's the, the wave of 2020 is we're getting to really get clear on lived experiences that are not our own, are still valid and still exist and need to be amplified. So be willing to be messy is my advice. I love it. Michael, any advice? I mean, I don't even really know how casting works. I, I just, if I just know, like, if you're going to make something, just keep making it and don't ask for permission and just you know, I think for us, it was, we're going to make it for $5,000 or more. And then people, people liked it enough to start helping. But um, yeah, we never asked for permission or amazing waited. Um, what do you guys have coming up that we can see you in or something you're excited about uh, promoting? Uh, Steve, why don't you start? Uh, I'm currently developing a show with um, Apple TV Plus. Um, watch uh, season two of Robbie on Hulu. Um, every Thursday night on my Instagram, um, at the Steve Way. Uh, I co host a show where my friend and I uh review a different Kanye West album. So, tune in tonight at o'clock Eastern, where we're gonna review Jesus. So, uh, it's gonna be a great show. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Uh, I'm excited about the last hundred days of the year because with self-management for actors, we have a hundred day course that we do online that will be open for registration so that, that the self-management for actors side of me is very excited about uh, the last hundred days of 2020 for many reasons, but for especially uh, gearing up to bring in a new class of students who want to learn more about mindset and balance in managing their 
professional acting career and showbiz career. And on the casting side of things, I'm continuing to work on Bernie Sue's Artificial, the Emmy winning show for Twitch, which is incredibly innovative and doing some really cool things. And I'm honored to be a part of that. Very cool. Um, I just would like people to watch Peanut Butter Falcon if they haven't seen it. And if you have, check out Steve's Kanye album review show every Thursday night on Instagram. Um, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> um, can, where can people watch Peanut Butter Falcon? Is it on uh, right, right now, if you're in the United States, it's streaming free on Amazon Prime and Hulu. Um, and if you're in the UK, it's free on Netflix. And if you're anywhere else, I, I don't know. I mean, you can usually rent it for a couple dollars wherever there's like movies to rent. Yeah, very exciting. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I hope that everybody learned a little bit um, and you know, get ready to jump off that cliff. Um, uh, thank you so much to our sponsors, Black Magic Design and Sigma. Next week, we next month, we will be talking about documentaries and how disabled stories are being told so effectively through that medium. So thank you guys so much for being here and we'll see you next month. Bye.